And together we're believing that 2016 is going to be a great year, not only for our churches, but for our church family. And I'm looking forward to the new year. How many of you, uh, there's some things about 2015 you'd just rather forget about? Okay, all right. Hey, I understand every year we have regrets, but listen, we need to live our life with no regrets. That's why this morning I want to talk to you about making the most of every moment. You know, God gives us moments in life. And how many of you, because you've had regrets, and we all have, how many of you have some regrets in life? Come on, let's be honest. You look back and go, gosh... How many of you have some financial regrets? Boy, if I'd have bought that piece of property back when it was a dollar, I'd be a millionaire today. We all have those kind of things. How many of you regret some of the stupid mistakes you made when you were young? Woo, man, I got my two hands up right there. Okay, man, have you ever looked in the mirror and just said, you stupid, you what, you stupid? You know, hey, we've done that. But you know what? We've, we've got to be like Paul the Apostle who had some regrets in his life after he was born again. And he said, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. So so the, the last Sunday, we, we talked about unfinished business. If you weren't here last Sunday, I encourage you to go back and listen online uh, and 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 or uh, put your iPad or iPhone to use and download the podcast and listen, because listen, you don't want to end your days. You don't want to end this year with unfinished business because the unfinished business limits God's capacity to do what he wants to do in your life. And so this is kind of a piggyback uh, on that thought. And uh, I want to talk to you about making the most of every moment. With that in mind, let's look in James chapter four. And I want to read a few verses beginning in verse 13. It says this, Come now, you who say tomorrow or today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell and make a profit, whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. Look at your neighbor and say, you don't know what tomorrow holds. We think we do. Well, tomorrow I'm going to work. You don't know that. You think you know that and you should plan towards that. He said, for what is your life? Listen carefully. What is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills. Somebody say, if the Lord wills. If the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. But now you boast in the arrogance of all such boasting is e- in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is what? It is sin. And so let me say this about this verse here today, just a couple of thoughts. You know, God has a plan for our life in this short amount of time. I wish I had a long rope. I could just give you an illustration. Can you, do you have a little vision? Uh, you, can you be, uh, uh, can you, your, can your imagination run wild with me for a moment? This building, if I'm not mistaken, is 120 foot wide. If I had a rope stringing all the way from left to right, right to left, uh, and it represented eternity. Okay, and then you took a rubber band and put it around the middle of it. And you said, in the timeline of eternity, this little rubber band represents the time that all of us have on planet Earth. It's just a vapor. In, re- in reality, the, when, 
when all humanity lives on planet earth and then dies away and when Jesus comes back and this earth melts with a fervent heat, it'll just be a little speck in the, in the timetable of God when you think about eternity. And so picture that with me for a moment. And then this verse, you know, it seems a little, God, it kind of, it kind of, bo- does that bother you just a little bit when you think, what is your life? Here's James. So what is your life? It's just a, a vapor that appears for a little time and then passes away and some of you need to you know we look at at people who may have died early in life and you think man they died so young listen their life your life all of our life compared to eternity is just a little vapor that appears for a moment and then this life on earth passes away are you with me it's just a moment in fact you know i said I said to you a moment ago, uh, making the, the most of every moment. Webster uh, tells us that a moment is a very brief period of time. And in the, in the, in the scheme of things, our lives and this earth is just a very, very brief moment of time. Our lives are but a moment. You need to realize that your life is but a moment, so it becomes imperative for us. We must make the most of every moment or the brief moment we have on earth. And that's why I came to tell you this today, that we've got to make the most of our life. And where does that begin? Yesterday? No, yesterday's gone. Tell somebody yesterday's gone. Yesterday's missed opportunities, yesterday's missed moments are gone. You can't look back. You can't live a life of regret, but you can live a life where you make the most of the moment and the moments that God has provided you. In fact, Paul the Apostle in Ephesians chapter 6, or pardon me, Ephesians chapter 5, I've read this, quoted this so many times as your pastor. He said, redeeming the time. He said, making the most of every opportunity. Redeeming the time for the days are evil. How many of you know we live in evil days? And so Paul comes along to the Ephesians, just like he, uh, James shared uh, in his letter there. <coughs> Pardon me. He comes along and says, we've got to make the most of every moment. Let me just say this. There's a unique quality about all moments. Think about it. There's a unique quality about all moments. Your moments, my moments. You know what it is? They're all momentary. That's why my wife loves to take pictures. We may miss our moment. Most of you may or may not know, Beverly and I sold our house. We're not leaving East Texas, Southeast Texas. Uh, we're in transition to something different. And they, everybody, everybody just say, Pastor, where are you moving to? I'm going to answer that for you. We don't know just yet. Uh, uh, we're closing Thursday and we don't know exactly the answer to all that. We have our options. So, but if you see us up here camped out in the front, you, you, you invite us in or uh, whatever. You could, no, I'm joking. That, that, I don't think that'll happen, but, uh, uh, and so why we, and we were busy all weekend and we got home pretty late yesterday evening, but my wife said, you know what, my, our, we don't have any more time for the grandkids to come over and spend the night in this house, which is all they've ever known. And Ty said, don't sell this house, Bebo, Papa, I love this house. And so we had them over last night and then this morning we're taking pictures. Well, we one of them only drew blood one time. Okay. I'm just, be, that's serious. We had one of them drew blood uh, on his own body, not on uh, ours or anybody else's. But uh, but in all of that, my wife was taking pictures. Why? She don't want, she don't want to miss this moment because why? All moments are what they're momentary. 
And so that's why it's what this says here. In fact, let's read it together. The unique qual- come on everybody out loud with me. The unique quality about all moments is that they are all momentary. We must make the most of the moment we have been given here on earth. We really do. I don't know if Ryan's here today. I didn't see him, but Ryan years ago, uh, he and I were in Mexico drilling water wells and went to a place called Costa Chica. Uh, we're going to go back there. It's not something place we go very often, but it's the place where we first found water uh, in Mexico and had a successful well at a little church there. And I cried like a baby, and it was great. But one of the things we, one of the moments we had was the opportunity to eat iguana. And so we went into this little house and, uh, and this lady was stirring up the stew and I'm, and it looked pretty good until the little iguana foot came up and went like that. And that's when Ryan went, I don't think I want any iguana. And I said, Ryan, when's the next time? You need to, you need to pause here a moment and think, you may never have another opportunity in your life. To eat iguana. This moment, this is momentary here. And sure enough, I ate, he did not, and, and I hassle him and hammer him. He's my sermon illustration for the day. But I looked to Scripture and I realized that's happened throughout Scripture. You think of the disciples. Thank God they didn't miss their moment. Jesus walked into their life and and the disciples there by the sea, Peter and John and others were fishing. And you know the moment Jesus walked into their life and He borrowed Peter's boat and He preached a message and He got into... Let me tell you something. Jesus is getting in people's boats today. I think... I think he is. Walked into his life and preached and Peter was, was convicted and, and, and Jesus said this to them, follow me and I will make you into fishers of men. That was their moment of opportunity and the Bible says they left it all and they followed him. Pardon me, I'm preaching now. I'm trying to calm down, but they, 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 they made the most of their moment. And so that's where we are today, and that's what I want you to catch today. And I think of Peter. Peter's my, you know, Peter's my hero. Peter was one of, he was a rascal. How many of you ever got, got a little rascal in you somewhere? Peter was a rascal, uh, but he, God picked him. He'll turn a rascal into a righteous, spirit-filled, Holy Ghost preacher. Amen. And, and Peter and they were walking, they were in the boat and the seas and the, Jesus was, uh, uh, walking to them on the water and, oh, it's a ghost. And Peter, they said it is, he said it is I. And Peter said, if it's you, bid me to come to you on the water. And, and, and Jesus said, come. How many of you know that's an opportunity? That's a moment in time. When's the next time I'm going to have the opportunity? opportunity to walk on what these times don't come by very often and peter rolled up his i don't think they had britches legs back then but he picked up his whatever they wore back then and he stepped out of the boat and he began to walk on the water and when he looked at the waves he began to sink and jesus picked him up and and you say oh peter started sinking what about all those other sissies in the boat and so there are moments in time that come our way and we can take advantage of them our life is but a moment I think of the rich young ruler. He had an opportunity in a moment. He wanted to follow Jesus and Jesus knew his heart. How many of you know he knows your heart? And he said, why don't you just sell everything and give it to the poor and then follow me? Now, let me just stop. I'll just, I'll get, I'll I'll let you off the hook here to follow Jesus. You don't have to sell all you have and give it to the poor. 
But in the rich young ruler's life, we knew Jesus knew that his stuff was the Lord of his life. I'll tell you what, you do need to follow Jesus. You've got to lay everything, all the gods that you have in your life, all the things you serve, you have to quit serving them and serve Him. And that's what Jesus was saying with the rich young ruler. You just sell all you have and give it to the poor and come follow me. And the Bible says he went away sorrowful because he had much possessions. He missed his moment. And today I'm talking about the rich young ruler who missed his moment. I don't want to come to the close of my life and have missed my moment and, 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 and not fulfilled God's eternal purpose for my moment and for the life. And, and, and so we've got to make the most of every moment. And here's what you and I need to understand. To make the most of every moment, we must embrace the must that every moment has attached to it. You see, every moment has a must. You see... Let's go back to, let's, let's hassle Ryan one more time. You see, what he must have done was partake of iguana. It wouldn't have been too hard. He could have just had a bite and said, well, I did that. I mean, I ate everything. The Bible says eat everything. You know what it tastes like? It tastes just like chicken. Once you get that slimy skin out of the way, it tastes just like chicken. He missed his, all he would have had to done, the must, you must take it and you must partake. The disciples, their must was to forsake all and follow him. For the rich young ruler, he, he must sell all he had and give it to the poor. For Peter walking on the water, he had to, he must get out. To walk on water, you can't do it in your heart in the boat. I'm walking in the water in my heart. In my heart, I'm walking on water. No, we had to get out of the way. So all of us, there's some must that we must embrace. Every moment has a must. Everyone say, every moment has a must. Your life as a moment in this long history, uh, or this long span of eternity, has some must in the life that you must do in order to fulfill God's purpose in your life and make the most of the moments God has for you. With that in mind, turn to 2 Timothy. And in 2 Timothy, here's the, you know, and I, I spend a lot of time in these letters. And uh, the reason I do is because they're so full of, of truth and revelation for us in this time. And certainly Paul's letters to Timothy uh, are applicable to us. But here's the scenario. Everybody say, what's the scenario, Pastor? What's the, here it is. Here's the scenario with 2 Timothy. Paul's moment is about over. His life is about over. He knows his life is about over. He knows he's about to finish what God has called him to do. In fact, uh, that was his goal to finish uh, uh, what God had for him to do. Look in, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6. He says this. He says, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. I've fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day. This man has some confidence in who he is and what God has done in his life. He has no question marks about moving into eternity. He's erased the question marks of life. He's at a place in his life when he knows he's finished and he's accomplished all and he has not missed his moment. And he says, the Lord will give me that 
crown of righteousness on that day. And not only to me, but all who have loved his appearing. And so Paul knows his moment is about over. And the, and the goal of this letter for him was to make sure his son in the faith, Timothy, didn't miss his moment. He said, my moment's about done. You can't miss your moment. Look at your neighbor and say, we can't miss our moment. See, God gave us this life for a purpose. He's not here. We're not here just to take up space. We're not here just to surf the internet. We're not here just to make a dollar to pay the bills, to get, get the, get the tax man off our, we have a purpose. God has a plan for our life and a purpose and a reason for being. That's for, for our being. That's why you're here today. And it's imperative for us to look at our lives and say, I can't miss the moment and, and, and I can't look back. You can't look back. Look at your neighbor and say, you just can't look back. You can't be looking back. You got to press forward. You got to look forward. You can't miss your moment. You can't live a life of regrets. And I came to tell you, in fact, as we, if we look back to last year, I, I shared things like this. And you know what? Even me, I look back from last year and I, there's some, there's some things I didn't do that I should have done. There's some things that I didn't accomplish that I could have accomplished. And, 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 and I, I had some, uh, maybe unfinished business and I don't like that feeling. And I came to tell you that we need to make the most of our lives that God's given us. With that in mind, I want to just look at 2 Timothy with you for a moment and give you some things that were going on in Paul's day and in Timothy's day that are still going on in our day and give you some definition to the moment we live in. And so you can embrace the moment that God has given you. Number one, here's what I see. Paul making sure Timothy understood that he was living in the middle of powerful moments. Look what he says. And you gotta understand, Timothy had some timidity in him. He had some fears in his life. And if you look in 2 Timothy chapter 1, he says this in verse 6 and 7. He says, therefore, I remind you. Now, stop. Look up at me. What's he trying to do? He's trying to make sure Timothy doesn't miss his moment. So he's coming to remind him about something that is so important. The first thing I want you to know, Timothy, I want to remind you about some things. Look at it. He said, I remind you to stir up the gift gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. We're living in the middle of powerful moments. Most believers don't believe that. Most believers are just kind of hoping that God will, you know, somehow miraculously deliver them out of their mess and out of this, this messed up world. And, and, and we don't embrace the reality. Listen, if you want to make the most of your moment, you've got to realize something. God's not giving you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. You walk into the moments that God places you with the spirit of the anointing of God in your life and the power. That word power is the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit. That's why Jesus told the disciples in Acts chapter 1, don't leave Jerusalem till you have the power. In order for you to fulfill the moment that I have for you, Peter, Paul, all you guys, you've been following me now. Now I've raised from the dead. Now I'm going to leave you, but I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you. And when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, he will give you power. Woo. 
Power to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria. Not just power to survive, but power to thrive. We're living in the middle. Hey, listen, you know when the church was born, what was it born into and with? Power. If you're living a powerless Christian life, I feel sorry for you. You've not been cheated. You're just uninformed. It's like living your whole life with a million dollars in the bank and nobody ever told you. Wouldn't it be terrible to come to the close of your life and realize that, oh, knothead Uncle Ed left you a quarter or, you know, a million, a billion bucks in the bank, but he just forgot to tell you it was yours? Listen, if you're not walking in the power of the Holy Spirit today, and and, and as a result, the moments of your life come and go, and you're living a life of regret and fear and doubt and intrepidation in your life, uh, you need to embrace what Paul was trying to get across to Timothy. Listen, I want to remind you something. You need to get this down in your soul real good. I'm about to be out of here. I've lived a good life. My life is about over. But let me tell you something. You can't keep thinking the way you're thinking. You can't keep living the way you're living. You can't keep going the way you're going you've got a spirit of power that's available to you and not only power but a spirit of love and of a sound mind we're living in the middle of powerful moments therefore here's the must we must be empowered by the spirit of God full of the Holy Ghost that's what Acts 1 and 2 and 3 is all about that's why Paul said, but when he said, redeeming the time, don't be drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. You see, we're living in powerful moments. Number two, I see here what Paul wanted Timothy to understand was not only was our moment a powerful one. Uh, and oh, I, I think, man, some people thank God for the good old days. Man, I'm glad I'm living right now in the, in the here and now in the power of the Holy Spirit in the age of the church to see God do great things in and through my life. These are powerful moments. But number two, you've got to understand they're pressing moments. Paul was honest about, about the life he lived and, and, uh, oh, I wish I could just read it all. You know, he said, I'm not ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. And he embraced the call of God on his life and said, I was appointed a preacher. And then he said in verse 12, for this reason, look in chapter one, for this reason, I also suffer these things. Paul suffered some things. There was pressures in his life. And it wasn't the pressure of paying the light bill, by the way. It was, it was being able to walk alive even when people leave you for dead and, and, and beat you and, and curse you. There's pressures in this life we live. The moments we go through have pressure. I'm always threatened. I may do it in, when I get old. Write a book, The Pressure Driven Life. How we deal with the pressures of life. Jesus said in this world, you're going to have pressure. But be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Somebody say amen. Look what Paul said. He said, for this reason, I suffer these things. 
Nevertheless, I'm not ashamed, for I know whom I believed. Oh, you got to follow me here. Look at your neighbor and say, oh, you better listen to this one. He said, he said, nevertheless, I'm not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed in, and I'm persuaded. Somebody say persuaded. I am persuaded that he is able to keep what I've committed to him until that day. So understand something in these pressure-driven moments, when pressure is upon us, we're living in a moment, it's a moment of pressure. Therefore, we must, here's the must of the pressure moments of life, we must be persuaded about some things. He said, I am persuaded. That's the must. Persuaded about what? Well, here's what Paul said. I'm persuaded that he's going to keep what I've committed to him. I've given him my life. He's going to take care of it. I've given him my future. He's going to take care of it. Even in the middle of pressure, I'm persuaded about this. I'm persuaded about the goodness of God in my life. I'm persuaded about the power of God in my life. I think of King Agrippa. Do you remember King Agrippa? Peter, who was persuaded, was preaching the gospel to King Agrippa in Acts 27 or 26, 27, 28. And and King Agrippa said, I'm almost persuaded to be a Christian. Some people in this room, you're almost persuaded about the things of God and about Jesus in your life. But you're not living the persuaded life. When the pressure moments come in life, you fear and doubt and miss and, and stumble and bumble in life. Paul said, hey, listen, Timothy, you're living in a pressure moment. Yeah, it's going to be pressure in your life. There's going to be problems. There's going to be circumstances and issues. There's going to be uh, uh, things that you suffer. But in these, you've got to live a life that this is the must of making the most of your moment. You must be persuaded that what you've given to me, I'm going to take care of. You've given me your life, I'm going to take care of your life. In fact, all the way to eternity. Somebody say amen. That's what he said. These are the moments we're living in. They're powerful moments, but they're pressing moments. But number three, when you look in Timothy, we're living in productive moments. Look what he says in the second chapter of 2 Timothy. You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus and the things you have heard from me among many witnesses. Commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Therefore, you must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. What's he saying? You've got to be productive. You're living in a productive moment. Here's what you're supposed to do. I'm about to be out of here. This is what I've done with you and done with countless others and you've got to do it with others also. It's called discipleship, by the way. He said, you take what I've given to you and you give it to others. You find some faithful people and you begin to pour into their life and let them begin to receive what I've given you. You pour it into their life and then they can go out and begin to pour it into other people's life and people all over this world can be born again. Could I tell you today, from that time till now, the gospel of Jesus Christ has spread around the world. People are getting born again around the world at record numbers. Regardless of what you may think, Jesus is on the move and we're living the church's one of the most productive hours in the history of humanity. It's harvest time around the globe. That's why he said, do the work. Chapter 4, we'll look at it in a moment. Do the work of an evangelist. Be productive. Parents, do you gather your kids? Some of the kids are here. You gather your kids up and say, now here, listen, I know as you're young, I take care of you, I've fed you. Now, when you're 40 or 50, don't worry about it. I'll keep taking care of you. You, you just, 
come along, I'll feed you. No, what do you want your kids to be? Productive. God's looking down. He has a moment for all of us when it comes to the kingdom of God. And he says, listen, this is what you've got to be. You can't sit soaking sour. You can't expect somebody to feed you pablum all the days of your life. You've got to grow up and get out and get going and be a productive believer who shares your faith with people who are lost and without Christ in this world and began to go and find somebody else and give them what's been given to you. They get born again. You give them more. You bring them to church. You invest your life in others. Listen, the reason I'm here today, you need to understand this, is not because I was just a sharp young boy and woke up one day and decided to give my life to Christ. I'm here today because people shared the gospel with me. They loved me through the hard places of life and they took what God had done in their life and they began to feed me and they began to help me and I began to grow up and I began to realize there's other people that need what's happened to me and we've got to be productive. Amen. We gotta, therefore, we must be producers. We gotta change the way we think. Let me tell you, let me tell you, you, you wanna know, a study was done years ago about church folk. And they took a hundred evangelical churches and they, and they surveyed the people and they said to the people, what's the purpose of the church? 80% of the people in those hundred churches gave an answer like this, to meet my needs. They hold, they're totally missing it. They took those same hundred pastors of those same churches who 80% of the people in all their churches said, the reason I'm in church and the reason the church is here to take care of me and meet my needs, bless your heart. They took those pastors and said, what's the purpose of the church? 80% of those pastors said, to win the lost, to be productive. We got to change the way we think. We're not here to fat, be fat and sassy and just get all bloated up with, you know, reason a lot of people come to, don't come to church anymore. You know why a lot of people don't come to church anymore? They got so bloated up, they can't get out of bed anymore. I'm not talking about bluebell swell. I'm talking about spiritual gluttony. They got so loaded up, well, I don't need the church anymore. I got enough. Hey, listen, we got to be productive. Everybody say productive. If you're going to make the most of the moments God has given you, hey, you, you got to realize that we're living in powerful moments and we must be empowered. We're living in pressing moments and we must be persuaded and we're living in the most productive moments ever in the history of humanity and we must be producers. We've got to reproduce ourselves. Amen. And then number four, in the middle of all of this, Paul wanted Timothy to know we're living in perilous moments. He said in chapter three, but know this, that in the last days, everybody say last days. You need to understand something. We're living in the last days. In the last days, perilous times will come. We're living in perilous times. You know, when I was a kid, Beverly and I, we, they used to scare us with movies that would show Christians uh, putting their head on the guillotine and losing their head for the gospel's sake. You ever seen those movies? 
you know, the church would buy reel to reel and you'd have to rent the movie and you had to have a reel to reel projector and, and they would, I don't, Beverly, what are some of those movies? I, you know, I, they'd scare you at the end. You go, oh, and, and, and in my mind as I grew, I said, I just don't, un- I can't see that happening. I, I, I just, man, I'm living in Red Oak, Texas. This can't happen in my lifetime. It's happening in my lifetime. Perilous time. Or on us in the last day. That's what he said in second to perilous times. Men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slandering, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power from such people turn away. And he goes on to say, and I wish I had time to go through it all. Look what he says in verse 10. Verse 10. But you have carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, and faith, long-suffering love, and perseverance. In these perilous times, if you're going to make the most of the opportunities that God has given you and make the most of your moment, you must be persevering in the process. You can't quit. You can't back up. You can't give up. You gotta keep moving and pressing forward. These are perilous times. And then finally, he closes out with my favorite. He said, we're living in the midst and we are today. We're living the moments. They're preaching moments. They're proclaiming moments. Look what he says after all of this and the warning about the perilous times. You see, somebody, oh, it's perilous times. What do we do? Uh, well, we, we get political and you can if you want. It's perilous times. What do we do? We better proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Look what he said. I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who will judge the living and the dead. What's he saying here? Listen to me. The life that God has given us. He will, we will be judged according to how we lived our life on planet earth. That's what he's saying. He said, listen, I'm telling you, the moment that God has given you, you've got to understand something. He's going to judge you at his appearing and at his kingdom. So therefore, preach the word. Somebody say, preach the word. Tell somebody, we got to preach the word. Come on, tell somebody, we've got to preach the word. Because understand something, it's the gospel that changes people's lives. In the midst of the peril, in the midst of the pressure, in the midst of the problems of life, we don't run to the hills. We 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 preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because that's the only thing that will change people's lives. It's the power of the gospel. Which will transform your, my life and it transforms your life and it'll transform the lives. Listen, you need to understand something about the gospel. It's powerful. Jesus, Paul talked about the power of the gospel. It'll change your life. Transform your life. You'll be born again. Therefore, understand. Look what he said. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap upon themselves teachers. They will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. It's happening in record numbers. I'm seeing, Pat, listen, understand. I saw another one bite the dust. Pastors of gospel churches, large mega church pastors, 
years. I could name their name. They're turning away from the gospel. I read about another one today. He got up in front of his church and he said, I, he didn't call it a crisis. He said, I'm on a journey, folks. I don't know if I really believe everything I've been telling you. He's a pastor of a mega church and I'm going to resign to, thank God he resigned. I'm resigning today because I'm just not sure everything I've told you for the last five or six years is true. I'm on a journey. I just don't even know if God exists. And so he just, oh, he just thought that was wonderful. How brave he said it was for him to be able to do what he's doing. I want to tell you what bravery is. Laying your head on the, on the guillotine and giving your life for the gospel's sake. And, and we've got to understand something. There's preachers that are not preaching anymore, so we got to keep preaching. Amen. And he said, do the work. Thank you. Do the work of an evangelist. We must be proclaimers. Let's stand together. For every moment, there's a must. And let me say, as, as our worship team's coming, and guess what I've got? It's not noon. Listen, listen. Your, mo- your life is a moment of opportunity. It's a, it's a vapor. Every day, I'm get, I'll be 60 next year. Beverly's going to be 60 a lot quicker than me. But that, hey, every day that goes by, more and more I hear friends and family and people that I, I've known, their moments are over. I told you about my friend Mike Hagan, 52. Had heart issues, but he's a strong man. Had a strength ministry. Went in for a stent replacement. It was so far gone in there, the doctor sewed him up and said, when we take him off the life support, he's going to die. 52 years old. He didn't know when he went under anesthesia. He told his wife, I'll see him a little bit. In the midst of his greatest day, his hour, his ministry blowing and going, his moment was over. It was a vapor. Today, as we come to the close of this service, your life is a moment. And I came to ask you, are you going to make the most of the moment God's given you? Are, you, are, we, going to, are we going to be like King Agrippa? Well, I'm almost persuaded. One of these days. Maybe so, maybe not. I heard a lady with her own mouth years ago as a young boy, I heard her say this. She said, I gave God the first 20 years of my life. Now the next 20 are mine. And as a young man, I heard that and that just grieved me, number one. And I thought, I'm not sure she ever gave God the first 20. Because if you really give Him your life, you'll be persuaded that He's worth letting you have the last 20 or the last 30 or the last days. He's not Lord of all. He's not Lord at all. Let's bow our heads before God. Holy Spirit, now breathe on us a little bit here. Breathe upon what we've talked about. Let it lay down deep into our soul and set up residence in our heart. And Lord, we thank you for Paul reminding us that these are powerful days. 
These are powerful moments. And listen to me today. Whatever you're battling, God's bigger and badder in a good way and more powerful than anything you're fighting with or struggling with. These are powerful moments. And if you need to step into the power, and I believe somebody here does, and quit fearing and doubting. With every head bowed, every eye closed, there's some people here. You've been walking in fear about your future. You've got to begin to walk in faith and full of power of the Holy Spirit. If you're battling fear in your life, lift your hand wherever you are. Where are you today? I see it. 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 You need the fullness of the Holy Spirit in your life. The outpouring of God in your life. God didn't give you the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind or worship team.